to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hi, Jody. How are you doing? Hi, Alini. Great to see you. I missed you at our first ever Listen Again Awards. I missed you too. The pictures looked amazing. How were they? It was really a magical day. It was so wonderful to honor our podcast guests at a gorgeous restaurant, Lauderay in Soho. And we had so many industry C-suite guests and influencers, and they were all there to celebrate our honorees. And um, our honorees were delighted to be in the room too. So I want to tell you all about that. Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. I'm so excited to hear more about the winners. I saw some great coverage and you also had a really fun guest co-host, right? Someone very special to you. How was that? So we asked Cy De Silva, who's on the new cast of The Real Housewives of New York, to be my co-host for the event. And she was amazing. She's very impressive. And she gave us some inside scoop on The Real Housewives new season. And that was so cool for me because as everyone knows, I'm a huge Bravo reality TV fan. And it was really awesome to be able to present these gorgeous awards to our winners. Can I tell you who they are? Yes, please. So our Q1 theme that was CEO Life, that went to Dennis Azamoa. He is the co-founder and CEO of Forever Mood. And our Q2 theme that was called Influencer Journey and that award went to Amy Keller Laird. She's the founder of Mental. And I just loved hearing their speeches. They were so beautiful. We're going to actually post the speeches to our social so everybody can read them. Oh, that's great. And tell us again, what constitutes a Listen Again award? How do you win one of these? Great question. So we just started the awards this year, and this is our first awards ceremony. And we're going to do an award for every single quarterly theme. So we'll have our Next, Listen Again Awards in January to honor our Q3 and Q4 winners. And the criteria are pretty simple, but really meaningful to us. The guest needs to inspire us to think in a new way and also really appeal to people at all levels of their career. So someone who's been a CEO for 20 years should be as interested in your content and episode as someone who might be still in college thinking about entering the industry. And um, also fan reaction, right? The um, episodes that we get, you know, DMs and emails about that really inspired our fans. So when we bundle all that together, that's how we decide as a production team who's going to receive the awards. That's so amazing. Yeah, it's so incredible to hear from our community and to get to push these stories out there to them. We know they're so interested in these stories and the guests that you've gotten to meet over the years are amazing. So I'm excited for the next Listen Again Awards and um, we'll see if maybe some of these upcoming guests are eligible for them. So who do we have on this week's episode? Well, this is Amy Chang. She is a skin, hair and health conscious content creator very impressive woman, so fun to talk to. We had an incredible conversation about finding yourself, right? And what's meaningful to you? What do you want to do in life? And she also talked a lot about her adoption journey, which is something that she shares intimately with her fans. So this is a really great episode. And also we talk about, you know, since this is influencer world, you know, how does her um, persona online differ from her persona in her personal life? And how does she use her time wisely? You'll hear that she produces a lot of amazing content, much of it with luxury brands, but yet she's an army of one. So it's really fascinating to hear how she navigates balancing all this important work. 
Oh my gosh, that's incredible. I'm loving this quarter. There's so many multifaceted guests on here. Um, and it's always so interesting to hear the other elements of their life as well. Well, let's get to it. Here is episode 234, Amy Chang. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. We are a career journey podcast talking about what it's like to define success and reach for it in the beauty and wellness industries. Today, we continue our influencer journey theme with Amy Chang, skin and hair obsessed, health conscious content creator, sharing beauty tips, product reviews, and life experiences with her audience. Her handle, Bon Yvonne? Bon Yvonne. Yes, great. With 1.6 million followers on TikTok and over 400K on Instagram, covers topics from skincare routines to more personal life stories, including her adoption story. I'm excited to dive into the conversation about her career journey from the East to the West Coast, all on episode 234. Hi, Amy. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Hi. So, Amy, since we're a career journey show, I want to start way back. Let's yeah. go to your like 11, 12-year-old self. What do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, my God. I wanted to be a brain surgeon. And, of course, my parents loved it. My dad uh, is in academics or was when I was growing up. And I remember uh, we used to get National Geographic magazines and there was one um, edition of it. And on the cover, they had this surgeon doing brain surgery on, you know, someone's skull. They had like cut off the top of the skull and you could see the brain. And I was so excited and interested in it. And I told my parents, I was like, that's what I want to do. And they loved it. They, um, they were really supportive. And then when I got into adolescence, like teenage years, I wanted to be a fashion designer. And so I was like, nope, I'm not going to be a neurosurgeon anymore. <laughs> and I always had this creative flair in me. I love fashion. Um, really love colors and putting things together. And so I went through a moment where I wanted to be a fashion designer. And then after that, I kind of lost my way and I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, yeah, school was kind of tough for me. I was a bit of a loner and I just had, I really struggled with my identity and finding myself. And I really thought that you kind of you wait and it like suddenly all comes to you and you know your path. Right. And so I was like waiting for that moment. I was like, okay, when am I going to know? Like, what's the purpose of my life and why I'm here and what I'm meant to do. And, uh, I felt so paralyzed because I was worried if I took a wrong step in one direction or another, it would cause me to be a failure in my life. And so, um, during high school and like that first year of college, I had no idea what I wanted to do and kind of just felt paralyzed and, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about this because it's such a contrast to the Amy I met just a short amount of time ago, right? The, um, you describe yourself as a loner, yeah. feeling like a failure. Um, it sounds like you were really r worried about the future and not knowing where you fit. It's so hard to imagine that the Amy that I just met in that place, right? And I know it's, you know, some of it is age appropriate, right? To kind of not know where you fit in the world. Yeah. But um, if we can just talk a little bit about that version of yourself in those earlier, you know, it's like late teen, early 20 years, because I'm sure a lot of our listeners today felt exactly the same way you did. How were you able to step over that, like get through it and move into finding your way? Yeah. So what I did when I was in high school and my, you know, early twenties, I kind of 
tried on different things and granted some of them weren't the best. You know, I went down the wrong path a couple of times, but I was always curious and trying new things. And I was like, okay, does this fit? Does this fit? Does this fit? This doesn't fit. Okay. Actually, this is taking me down the wrong path. I have to correct. But I was exploring and I was trying and I was making mistakes. And I think that was really important for me to go through that journey. You know, I grew up in Minnesota. I'm adopted. My parents are American, they're white, and I grew up Jewish. So that is like a recipe for an identity crisis, which I feel like is what I went through when I was in high school. And I was waiting for this magical answer to appear either in my head or my life or to come from outside somewhere, right? To say, okay, this is who you are and this is where you belong. And then I realized one day, like when, after I moved to New York with my parents, I was like, God, you don't find yourself, you create yourself. And so then it propelled me to just go after, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go. I'm going to start doing everything I can to like move forward. I don't know where I'm going, but I, I just need to put one foot in front of each other and kind of create the shape of who I think I want to be. And if that doesn't, you know, if it doesn't feel right, then I just adjust and pivot and pivot. And so, you know, I feel really blessed that my life worked out the way it did. I was going through a really tough time when I was in Minnesota. I dropped out of college after my first year. I was just going through the motions. I didn't know why I was there. And um, I was having a really tough time. My sister had just gotten married to her high school sweetheart. I have one older sister. And my dad got a job in New York. And he asked me if I wanted to go with them to New York. And I it really changed my life. So I decided to go with them. I left Minnesota and there's something about being in a new place and it allows the space for reinvention. And I really got to ask myself, like, who am I? Who do I want to be? Who, you know, what do I want from my life? And so it allowed me that space and I got back into school and really turned my life around went to community college, busted my ass, got, you know, straight A's, transferred into NYU and then graduated with honors and, you know, got a job working in PR because at that time, sex in the city was really big. And I was like, oh my God, PR, it looks so glamorous. What an amazing life. Like I watched Samantha on the show and I was like, oh, I, I think that might be right for me. Right. So I worked in PR briefly after school and it still didn't feel right, but I was making those moves like each time to figure out what it is I want to do. Where do I want to go with my life? And I kind of got past that, that moment of being paralyzed. I was like, okay, just go, just push yourself. And so, yeah. And then what ended up happening is I started dating my husband and we were just boyfriend, girlfriend at the time in New York. And his office opened up an office in LA. And so we moved to LA. And when we were there, I knew I didn't want to go back working in PR at an agency. I wanted to do something a little more creative, something different. So I started a blog just as a side hobby. And I was I just decided to document all of the things that I was experiencing in LA. So you know, different places that I would work out or smoothie recipes I was trying or the farmer's market or thrift shops I was going to. And I really enjoyed it. And I was like, wow, I wonder if I could make this into something bigger, make this into something more meaningful. And so I just kept at it. I found something that I really enjoyed and I got a lot out of it and I kept at it. And here I am. And it's just 
it kind of has grown and evolved in so many different ways. Like it started as a blog and then I got on Instagram and I had to learn photography and how to use Lightroom and Photoshop and all these photo editing, you know, tools. And then I decided to try getting on YouTube and I had to learn, you know, filming and video production. And then I decided to get on a TikTok. And so it's like, you can see how all these little steps like eventually lead you to where you're supposed to be. And like, you can't really connect the dots as you're going through it. But when you look back, you're like, whoa, okay, all of that these were little stepping stones that helped give me the knowledge that I needed, that helped me move forward towards where I'm supposed to be. And so, yeah. And so here I am today, like talking with you. And it's so wonderful. I love this. You said just something a few moments yeah. ago that we have to pause on. You don't find yourself, you create yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is so meaningful. And for my team listening, like this has to be Amy's poll quote for um, marketing her episode. This is so genius because um, when I was younger in my career, I just thought that like everything, all the success I was seeing and the people around me, I thought it just happened, right? I thought that, you know, it's because they went to college with so-and-so or, you know, they were friends with, you know, some other person and and it just wasn't going to happen for me. Like, I really believed it. It's so sad. Yeah. Um, but I needed to create it for myself um, and I didn't know that I even could. So um, tell me again who said this to you. So one of my best friends, actually, for Christmas, um, she got me this little, I think I still actually have it in my bathroom. I look at it every day. She bought this from me from Target, and it has all these different quotes on it, and you can like change the quotes and there's a little window here and you can see it and she bought me this gift for Christmas and on it is one of the quotes is you don't find yourself you create yourself and so I just I was like wow that it's like everything connected in my life like when I saw that quote I was like that makes so much sense right like I was just waiting for this aha moment to kind of happen to me instead of realizing I needed to go out there and just make a lot of mistakes, try a lot of different things. And then through that piece together what I like, what I don't, and then shape my future. So I love this. Well, um, I want to talk about beauty, but let's just pause for a moment and talk about the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption when you're an ambassador for that organization. Tell me about your adoption journey and how you're involved with this amazing organization. Yeah. So um, like I mentioned before, I'm adopted. I actually was adopted twice. I was adopted the first time when I was three months old. My birth mother in Korea uh, was, you know, had like a middle school education, worked in a factory, making leather handbags, you know, could not take care of me and wanted the best for me. And so she put me up for adoption. And the way it works, or it worked back then in Korea is that um, the mothers who were pregnant would go to these, uh, like kind of like a group home that would take care of them and help them with, you know, she would be with other mothers who were waiting to give birth to babies they were going to put up for adoption. And then um, once the baby was born, a foster mom would come in and take the baby right after birth and take care of it for three months. And then at that point, um, a military service member would take the baby on an airplane to America or Europe or wherever the baby was going to be adopted in their final destination, their home. And so that's what happened to me. And I was adopted by a family in Buffalo, Minnesota. And unfortunately, 
that family could not take care of me for whatever reason. I don't really know the details of what happened, but then I was placed into foster care and my parents uh, now adopted me. And I just believe that the universe really works in kind of these mysterious ways. And eventually we all end up where we're supposed to be. And so I feel so fortunate that life worked out the way it has and that there were these services, you know, like Children's Home Society and Eastern Welfare and Children's um, Orphanage, like these places that helped me get to where I am today. And so I knew that once my, like when my platform grew, I knew that I wanted to do something more meaningful to give back and to support a cause that really is important to me. And so the Dave Thomas Foundation, they have their Wendy's Wonderful Kids program. And it's where they train these experts to go in and basically be the aides to help children who are in foster care, who have special needs, who are teenagers and about to age out of foster care, basically kids who are not are more challenging cases to find permanent homes for. And so what they do is their trained experts go in and are they're assigned to one of these cases and they basically stay with the child wherever because there's a lot of relocations that happen unfortunately to kids that are in foster care. And they stay with them the entire time, really watching over their case and helping them to make sure that they find a forever home. And so I have partnered with them and, you know, every year do a large annual donation and then help what, what, in whatever way that I can to support them through my platform and just bring awareness to this cause and like how, how important these types of organizations are to help kids that you know, deserve forever homes and really to also try to break down the stigma around foster care, around adoption. Um, there's a lot of positive stories that come out of these instances, myself included. And so I think it's really important to change what the, you know, the, the kind of the storyline is or how people see foster care and adoption in media. Thank you for sharing that. I wasn't familiar with this organization. Yeah. I'm excited to check it out and learn more. Oh, thanks. Well, we're going to switch gears um, quite a bit into beauty. What was your first job in beauty? Oh, my God. Okay, so I worked at a Shiseido beauty counter. I had just dropped out of college, and my parents were like, we're not going to support you. You have to get a job. And so I applied for a job at a counter at a Macy's in Minnesota. And I think they thought that I was older than I was. Anyways, I ended up getting the manager position of the counter. But And at first I was like, I don't know if I could do this. But it was one of those moments where you just rise to the occasion. I was like, I can do it. So <laughs> I did and I loved it. I learned so much about makeup application and skincare. And this is like 15 years ago. And back then they were using essences and they were, they had moisturizers that had hyaluronic acid in them. And I mean, Shiseido is one of the oldest skincare companies in the world and they have some of the best products. And so I, I feel really fortunate that my real introduction into skincare and beauty was through Shiseido. I mean, I learned a little bit from my mom my mom is, was more about makeup than she was about skincare. Like at night, you know, she would just use um, Cetaphil, Gentle Cleanser, and then Vaseline. Like very simple in terms of skincare because it was kind of a different time then. But with makeup, oh my God, my mom always had the best makeup. She would use like Borghese foundation. She was always doing like the lip liners and the lipstick. I just remember I was in the car with her all the time and she would be looking in the rear view mirror, like reapplying her lipstick. Like to this day, my mom still reapplies lipstick when she's at home and she's alone. Like all throughout COVID, 
she was still wearing lipstick. Like that woman goes through like 10 lipsticks a month. I'm constantly giving her lipstick. And I'm like, how do you go through these so fast? But she's like, well, I walk around the house and I'm cleaning up and I notice a reflective surface. Like I need to reapply my lipstick. And so I do it. I'm like, mom, you're crazy. But she's like, I do it for myself. Right. Like she loves Mm -hmm. just, it just lipsticks bring her so much joy. And so I feel like I, I got a love for makeup from her. Like my mom was doing the major blush trend before it was a trend. And I feel like that's why I've always loved a lot of blush too. It sounds like you, um, through your mom and the Shiseido counter, you had a front row seat to like what's um, happening in beauty yeah. because the Shiseido products and ingredients you mentioned, those are hot and trendy right now, right? And that yeah. was 15 years ago. Yeah. Right. And um, your mom's devotion to lip, right? Lips are having a big moment now. So it's so fun that you were able to embrace that. And I think our fans will want to know what her favorite shades are. So maybe after the show, yes. you can give us a list and we'll publish it And when we um, sure. share your episode. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So um, let's talk about being an influencer because that's our theme for the quarter. This is not an easy job. And um, I have so much empathy for people who make this their full time because I understand the amount of work that goes into this. This is a science and an art. It's not just a hobby. And I'm really curious about the behind the scenes of this role because um, it's easy to see, you know, what an influencer wants to put out to us, but we know behind the scenes because we make you know content every day here that it's it it, it requires a team. But you told me you're an army of one. I know. <laughs> so let's talk about like just the basics. Like, how do you make this work happen when you're one person doing all this? Yeah. So I am. I film almost everything on my phone. I edit in Final Cut Pro, which is an Apple app that I purchased, you know, through my Mac. Um, let me just show you here. Okay. So we're in my bathroom and this is my lighting setup. I have a ring light here and then two soft boxes on this side and then my window on the other side so that I'm getting a three point lighting system. And I mean, gosh, I mean, I just think about all the things I've had to learn over the years. Right. And you just slowly start to accumulate this knowledge about how to be your own essentially like entertainment production house. Cause that's kind of like what it is to be an influencer, right? Like I have to understand lighting techniques, um, you know, how to film and edit things on my phone. Granted now it's a lot easier cause you can do things in app. Like the TikTok app is phenomenal for editing. Same with Instagram reels too. Like they're getting a lot better. I mean, some days it's a lot, and I remember when my my first was about nine months old and I was just a stay-at-home mom doing like the blog and social media on the side, but I would put her down for bed at eight o'clock and then I would go into my bathroom and I would film TikToks until like one in the morning. And that's just what I did every night. And I, I felt that there was something there, right? I was like feeling some momentum and I just leaned into it. I would say one thing about being an influencer, it requires a bit of like intuition because you were saying before, like it's a combination. It's not a science, it's an art, but it's kind of in between. And so I trust my instincts a lot. Like if something feels good, I lean more into it. If it doesn't, um, then I pivot away from it. And I think the biggest thing is like, I 
became an influencer really for connection, human connection. I think that's what anyone wants, right? When they open up a social media app is to be seen for who they really are, to be accepted, to find their place, find their community. And when I moved to LA, like I didn't know that many people. Yes, we had some friends here, but they live kind of farther away. And so I didn't get to see them on a regular basis. And I wanted connection with other women who were interested in beauty. And I found it on social media. And so that connection with other women who are interested in something I'm fiercely passionate about just kind of pushed me to continue doing it and to continue. I still to this day really love it. So, um, okay. So you're an army of one doing this yourself. We know it's not easy. Which is actually not that uncommon. I know it sounds like kind of crazy because at first it's like, oh, okay, I do everything myself. I film, you know, I edit, I help manage negotiations with brand deals, um, do all my answer DMs and comments. Oh, wait, you're your own manager and your own agent? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is a lot. I know. It is a lot. But I've talked to other influencers who really are, you got to wear every hat almost. I mean, yeah, some of them have managers or, but a lot of them I know, even the big ones still don't outsource editing because they want it to feel... They want to be in control of that creative direction and to feel like it's them and their voice, you know, because once that is gone, then you can, it's just not the same, you know? I think it's really a challenge to continue to up level and advance and like, you know, multiply the amount of work you're doing um, and then trust other people to do it in your way. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. So I understand why um, a lot of people want to, you know, keep the reins. Um, that leads me to the comments section. Are you responding to your comments and DMs yourself? I am. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's, I, I know other influencers that outsource that, but I always feel like I like doing it. I mean, I like the connection with my audience and it's from that, those interactions and the comments and the DMs that I get a sense of what kind of content they want, what they're interested in, what they're not, what their questions are that I can help them with. Cause I feel like my platform's really centered around offering helpful information about beauty to help them navigate this world of like oversaturation in the beauty marketplace and tell them like, Hey, what's worth it? What's not. And I need to have my pulse on the feel of what it is that they want and they're looking for. But I do understand that it is important to build out a team to scale. And I'm actually at that inflection point right now because I have been doing everything myself for so long. And I'm getting to the point where I'm now, I'm ready to like open myself up. Like I had a friend who I was at dinner with the other night and she was like, Amy, you've been contracted for so long, like holding on to control, doing everything myself. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like I'm at this moment where I'm ready to release and expand and like allow other people to come in and help me. Um, But I think part of it is that I needed to learn all the aspects of the business first Mm -hmm. so that I could go in and allow people to come in and help me and and still understand like what's going on in each space. I love that. It's so wise. Um, In my own business, Space Beauty, which is my day job, I've probably done through the years every job a little bit, Mm -hmm. right? So it helps me know how to hire people for those roles when I've actually lived the good, the bad, the ugly, right, myself. So I think it's very smart. 
And when you do bring on other people, maybe it's a part-timer to start, it will be really evident to you, Amy, if this person embodies your voice and your values, um, right? And you're going to trust your gut on that. Sometimes, you know, not everybody um, can get into your mindset and that won't be the right person long-term, but you'll find that person or multiple people and they'll be able to help you reach reach more fans and, you know, share your message wider. Yeah, I think part of it too is I wanted to wait to build out a team until I really knew what my long-term goals were going to be because then it's like, okay, I know where I'm trying to go, what my North Star is, and now I understand who I need to bring in to help me get there and scale, right? I need to understand the meaning of bon devant. Yes. And I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Okay, yeah. So it's actually a fencing term and it means leap forward. And when I created my beauty blog, I wanted to create a place that would help women and men leap forward in some way in their life and like lean into what makes them feel good. And so that's the meaning behind it. I love that. Okay, you are an army of one right now. You're a mom. I'm sure you have a lot of other dynamic things that you do in addition to being an influencer. When those comments and questions and DMs come rolling in, are you stopping what you're doing in that moment to respond? Or do you set times for yourself, you know, like a work schedule where you're sitting down to do that work? Yeah. So I recently started doing block scheduling, which has been so helpful for me. I'm not naturally an organized person. I'm much more of that kind of right brain, creative, all over the place person. Um, But setting up specific times where, okay, you know, these are the days I work on X. These are the times during that day that I do DMs and comments. And then I'll do, you know, filming. And then I'll do a block of time editing. It's really helped me to focus my mind on what it is I need to do and be more efficient at getting tasks done. But it's hard. I have to force myself to really do it. <laughs> right. So I'm curious because this is, you know, um, hard for me. Yeah. If like, you know, tons of comments and DMs are rolling in, and you're with the kids or you're in the food store, are you able to like resist the compulsion to respond and wait till later? Yes, I am. So I, for my own mental sanity, I do a similar thing with like almost block scheduling with my family, right? So my kids go to school during the week and from the time that they leave the house in the morning, like 8.30 until the time that they come home, those are my work hours. And then the minute they come home, and my oldest knows this, and sometimes she'll run into my office when she gets home and she's like, mommy, I'm home now. You need to stop working. And I'm like, she knows, yep, this is the time I stop and I turn my attention to them and I'm fully present. And then the same thing on the weekends. I used to work on the weekends and I would answer a few emails or do a few comments, but I realized like it wasn't moving the business forward. All it was doing was kind of draining me mentally. I didn't have time to relax or be present with my family because I would answer a few emails and then my mind would be turned on to work and creating content. Mm -hmm. And so I, I created a new rule where I don't post on the weekends. I don't answer comments. I just, weekends are for me to recharge and for my family. And so creating those boundaries has helped me so much. And I think will give me longevity with what I do. Cause like I was feeling so burnt out for the longest time. I was like, I don't know if I can continue doing this. Like working constantly because you feel like you get momentum like a video goes viral and you're like okay I got to do another video okay I got to do another video. I got to like answer all mm-hmm. the comments and like it's a very timely space to be in and so there's that feeling of like I got to do this 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 but then I realized like you know what 
I can always create momentum again. I can always, you know, take that space. And like, I've, I've taken the time to be really authentic with my audience and build a true relationship with them that when I told them, Hey, you guys, like for my mental sanity, I'm not going to post on the weekends anymore, answer DMS or comments. Just wanted to let you know, Uh, there was like this flood of support and so many of them were like, God, that's great, Amy, do that. You know, I'm so glad you're doing that. And, you know, oh, that's inspired me to do the same with my kids on the weekends and not be on my phone or, you know, whatever. And so I think, yeah, it's just important. It's important for mental health. I'm really big on mental health. I love that. Um, I call this the seduction of success, what you spoke about. Like, I got that viral video. I want to oh, follow yeah. it up and keep that momentum. It is seductive, right? Um, once you kind of taste that success, you want more and more and more. But I love the plan you have in place. Um, I'm sure a lot of the people listening needed a little guidance on that today because it's easy to get sucked in to yeah. anything you're passionate about, right? And the fun thing is that we have a job we love, right? We're an industry we love, which is awesome. But that comes with even more seduction, right? Because it's so Yeah, I, I get the seduction piece of it, but it, I feel like it really is – it's like brain chemistry because we're on social media. It's like these apps were designed to play on our brain chemistry and release dopamine into our systems every time we get the likes and the comments and all of this. And so I – whenever I can feel that happening, because it's like an addiction almost, right? I pause and I tell myself, like, I remind myself these apps were meant to play on our brain chemistry, right? So when I'm feeling frustrated because something's not doing well, or, you know, something's going viral and I want to like get to it, but oh, it's Friday night and now it's the weekend and I have to, you know, take that time off for myself. I just remember like, okay, this is what's happening, This is the dynamic. This is why you're feeling that way because of these apps and how they're structured. And it kind of helps me to take a step back and see like the true landscape of what's happening and not get sucked into it. Well, Amy, thank you so much. That wraps up our interview segment. And I'm really grateful for your honesty and sharing so much about your career and your dreams. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. Okay, now we have time for fan questions. There's so many rolling in. Let's aim to get three of them answered. Okay, here's a really good one from Shannon. Do you still recommend PDO threads and do you still get them? So I haven't gotten them again. I got them twice. I had them... God, how many years ago was that now? I think it was after I had Chloe, my eldest. So probably four years ago, I had it the first time. And then I had it done again a year after that. And part of it was because I had Botox in my masseter here. And they did way too much. And it just completely atrophied the muscles down here. And it made my skin sag on the lower part of my face. It was really scary. If you guys want to, I have a YouTube video all about that, which shows the photos. But... uh, For years, I really was trying to like build back up the structure here and I had a lot of sagging skin. So the PDO threads are like these little, little needles here or like, excuse me, these little sugar threads that they insert here with a needle and they would put them back here to like tighten and lift because it was trying to help combat combat some of that sagging skin. But yeah, I, I like them. I just haven't done it again. I haven't needed to in a couple of years, so... 
So do you think that it's a combination of the Botox wearing off and the PDO threads kind of replace, like moving everything back into place? No, I, no, it's more than that. So it was like the threads helped with the sagging skin. I had some filler put in back here to like give back some of the structure. I grind my teeth at night. And so it's helped over the years to build back the masseter muscle here. Yeah, so it's all of that together. Okay, here's another question. This one's from Noor. Did you take filming and editing classes? I don't know where to start and I'm eager to learn more on starting to post. Yeah, no, I didn't. I just went on YouTube and watched a lot of videos and kind of learned the basics there. It's Final Cut Pro is actually fairly intuitive. So I would suggest just getting that application and then go watch a few videos, upload a couple, you know, clips of yourself just dancing or something and play around with it. Next question is Xtile. What is your current hair routine, Amy? My current hair routine. Oh my gosh, it's so long. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> what I will do in wash days is I will do hair oiling first and I'll really work on the ends. I have like medium coarse hair that is not very porous. And so I. I really like struggle to get moisture inside of the strand. So I'll do oil on my strands and let it sit for a while. Then I'll go in and I'll shampoo and I'll do like a clarifying shampoo. Um, and then I'll do a second shampoo with my regular shampoo. And then I'll do a dip conditioning mask because clarifying shampoos can be, they have stronger detergents in them. They're a little um, more drying, but it helps to get rid of any product buildup that I may have, like from styling products and such. So then you want to do a deep conditioning mask. Um, I really like the one by Briogeo, the avocado mask, because it's protein free and it's just for deep hydration and you can use it as frequently as you want. So I use that one a lot. And then what I'll do, I'll get out of the shower and I'll towel dry my hair. And then I'll usually spray on like a hair growth serum on my scalp. I've currently been using the Array Gray one, which works to help not only give volume once your hair is air dried, but it also helps to thicken, bring back hair growth and prevent and reverse grain. Cause I got a gray hair recently. So I'm like, okay, I wanna just like maintain the health of my hair. So I'll do that. I'll do a little rose water to help with any itchiness because rose water is anti-inflammatory and it also helps with flakes. And then I'll do a hair serum for like mid lengths and down. I really like the Reverie Milk Serum and it has some extra protein in it to just help bind moisture to the strands. It has apricot oil in it and um, sweet almond oil. These are oils that can coat the outside but also get underneath the cuticle to nourish inside. And then what else do I do? I mean, that's for wash days. I feel like I do a lot. Was that a lot? <laughs> and what about like color? Is that your natural color? Are you getting your color oh, done? Yeah. Okay. So in the last 10 years, I've only colored my hair twice. The first time was a year and a half ago. And it was because people kept asking me, Amy, I, you know, I need recommendations for products that are for colored hair. And I could only ever give recommendations and speak to them based on the ingredients, right? And I wanted to be able to speak from firsthand experience trying them out. So I got my hair colored. I got some baby lights. And then recently, like I mentioned before, I had a color analysis and a color analysis is where someone who is trained to do this looks at your eye color, your skin color, um, your hair color. And then based on these different things, tells you what colors, you know, you should wear in terms of makeup, even hair color, clothes, everything is it's kind of fun, right? You don't have to, um, be so strict with it. Right. But anyways, she gave me um, a recommendation for a hair color and I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to try it. So 
uh, Jennifer Aniston's colors, Michael Canale, his team had reached out and was like, hey, we'd love to like, you know, offer to do a hair color or a gloss. And at that time I was like, oh, I don't color my hair, but thank you so much. And then after this came up, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to do it. So I called, I called them and I was like, I'm ready. I want to do it. And I got there and I showed him the color that the color analysis gave me, which was this kind of like a cool neutral tone, like an ash brown. And he was like, absolutely not. We are not doing that to your hair. And I was like, why? What? But at the same time, I was also like, okay, you're Jennifer Aniston's color. So like whatever you want to do goes. He was like, no, if you put cool neutral tones in your hair, it will make your hair look like straw. It'll make it look really flat. You need to add warmth to the hair because it makes you look like you've been out in the sun. And then it makes you, it like draws light to your hair, which draws light to your eyes. And it makes people notice your eyes more. So I was like, okay, whatever you want to do, let's do it. And so he gave me these like chocolatey paper thin highlights. Like you can't even tell that my hair is highlighted. It just kind of grabs light because there's little tiny thin strands here and there that have some light color. So anyways, that happened a couple weeks ago and that was really fun. <laughs> I love that. That's an awesome story. Okay, we have, let's squeeze in one more yeah. before that you go. Oh my gosh, there's so many good ones. Okay, I'm going to pick this one. Last question for the day. If you could create a beauty product, what would you create? So I have thought about this and I I won't tell you exactly what it is because <laughs> at some point I do plan on doing this, but my dream is to have my own hair care line. I have tried so many products and okay. I have in my mind like what I wish was out there and I just hope someday, uh, I know someday, I'm like going to manifest it and put it out there that I will be able to create this dream product that I have. But I also, you know, I recognize that there's so many products out there and there's so many good products. And so I really, I think it's important that before people go and create more brands that can create a lot of waste and a big impact on our environment to make sure it's something that's needed. It's something that helps people. So Anyways, it would be a hair care brand. <laughs> okay, I love it. And you'll you'll call me when you're ready to tell the world yes, about this. I will. Okay. Mm-hmm. Amy, thank you so much. This was our two hundred and thirty-fourth episode. Oh, I'm congrats. so grateful for your wisdom. Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. And yeah. I appreciate your time. And thank you to everyone who listened in and joined us. If you like this episode, please rate and review. As always, make sure you're following us us on your favorite podcast platform and Instagram to stay up to date on upcoming episodes and all the fun we have along the way. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Thank you. Bye, Amy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.